All right, folks, welcome back to another episode of the Deer Gear Podcast. I'm your host, Cameron Durr, and today I'm joined by Dorge from Firenock and Tyler Terry from Winterhawk Outfitters. The focus of today's conversation is around the arrow rest. We're talking about limb-driven rest, cable-driven rest, which is best for which scenario, hunting rest versus target rests, how to adjust your rest if your arrow is doing something through paper, and much, much more. This is a topic that I wanted to learn more about. I have a really great Bowtech that does all this stuff for me. But personally, I like to know why things do what they do. And now I have a better understanding of how an arrow rest is supposed to function, how to get the most performance out of your shot from adjusting your arrow rest. So if that interests you guys, make sure you stick around. Thank you guys for tuning in week to week here with the Deer Gear Podcast. If you guys have been following along and you like what we have going on here, please leave me a five-star review on iTunes and on Spotify. That would help me out a bunch, helps me reach new people. Also guys, Exodus is about to drop some bombs. You're not going to want to miss what we have coming down the pipeline. And I'm talking very soon. So make sure you go to the website, exodusoutdoorgear.com and sign up for the email newsletter. We're not going to spam you. We're only going to tell you when cool stuff is going down, meaning new products and saving you some money in your pocket. So if those two things interest you, make sure you go to the website and sign up. And with that being said, let's get into the podcast. Hope everyone has a wonderful new year season. Be safe out there, have some fun, and let's get into the podcast. All right, everyone, welcome back to another episode of the Deer Gear Podcast. This morning, I am joined by none other than Dorge from Firenock, and back on the show is Tyler Terry. You guys may have heard uh, a couple podcasts from Tyler. He completely rearranged my entire um, archery setup last year, so glad to have you back, man. How's it been going? You've been pretty busy. It's been crazy busy, I've, I've uh, which is good, you know, but it's a good problem all at the same time. So I've had zero time to handle a lot of things I really need to get done, but we've been running kind of wide open with, with hunters and the bow shop and uh, some other projects, you know, some engineering stuff, stuff like that. But um, it is good. Just busy. I'm trying to figure out time to put it all together. Yeah. Did you uh, get some deer on the ground this year yourself? Um, I shot a great big bear. I haven't really got the deer. I probably put, two or three full days deer hunting and most of that's been looking for the right deer I guess and um, we found some big deer and we've had some people get on some big deer um, you know customers stuff like that but it's been uh, I just haven't had the time to go myself I'm gonna try to maybe go around the like this weekend around Christmas and stuff because maybe some people will be tied up with family and I can run out to the (laughs) I can run out and go try to find a deer but um, you know and then I've got a some stuff coming up later in the month, maybe. Um, but really I just haven't had time. It's, it's, I'd love to go. I've been wanting to more than anything. It's actually been getting in the way of my progress with doing other things. Cause I'll get tied up thinking about it and won't be as productive <laughs> as I need to be. But, um, you know, no, not for me. I shot a big bear, but not, but not any deer. George, you get any deer on the ground yet? Oh, I just got two small ones. You remember I'm a public land exclusive so far. I haven't seen anything big yet. But maybe, maybe, just maybe, we. I'm I'm going out to the church, which is next to uh, downtown Chicago, and for the night. So, oh. 
<laughs> when those doing those uh what do you call it public land the urban deer. oh yeah it's like this isn't when you're public land it's not the public land it's the way to access it yeah yeah see door just going seek one style that I'll, I'll be uh i'll be interested to hear how that goes um <laughs> I, I just man i can't imagine hunting in the suburbs of of chicago but the, no, actually, the, i'm hunting chicago pure wow i want to just come film that yeah, <laughs> i mean i'm right on hosted on the high on the chicago what you can actually wear a hunt it's about i would say 60 yards from high from chicago city one hosted 150 second street wow That's amazing so you so you don't have to worry about being quiet because all the noise and traffic and cars and stuff are keeping your noise down. Hey, you can see you can see one, and then uh, I'm what? And then then uh, behind me is the is the Verizon Tower. Jeez. Oh, so you, Jeez. you got airplanes flying over you and all kinds of stuff. Uh, no, no. I'm actually I'm a little bit more south than uh, the Midway. So yeah, yeah. 152nd. This is quite south. I'm the last edge of Cook County. Then the moment I go down another three blocks. I mean, figure. There you go. <laughs> two, two like total opposite dynamics with with Tyler in Arizona, like super <laughs> remote, and then George going to Chicago. But one thing in common, you guys ready for this segue? One thing in common that you guys both have to have is a well tuned arrow rest. And today, that's what we're going to talk about. We're going to talk about arrow rest. Absolutely. And yeah. uh, George, this is something that you're pretty passionate about. Um, I've heard you mention it before. So why don't you in what intro? into this uh conversation i i personally think arrest on a vertical boat or even on a crossbow is one of the most misunderstood piece of equipment everybody i mean from uh, i mean i'm one of the first guy who when i first started arrest the only arrest i was using was the uh uh was a tm hunter if you know what that is that was one of the most simplest thing and by the way back then an arrest is not supposed to be more than twenty dollars yeah. Okay, just give you an idea. Yeah. And, and yes, just for, for referencing, a warper back then is about two bucks. So it's about 10 warpers, you've got a decent arrow rest. <laughs> so let's see, the, the, the whole concept of the arrow rest, a lot of people really, I mean, remember, the compound boat is different from a recurve, okay? A recurve arrow rest, you shoot off the shelf because you got feather. The current compound bow with the new generation of veins, you have to let the arrow pass theoretically without touching the veins. That whole process was such a big deal. And most people really do not understand why and what the real purpose of the arrow rest is. A lot of people assume an arrow rest is nothing to hold the arrow while you shoot. It's in some way that's the correct statement, but the statement was never understand and explain Totally, and the word is totally. What happened is that the arrow rest itself need to hold the arrow as long as possible if the person can hold the boat stationary on a compound boat, on a compound wheeled high, high let off boat. That's where the problem is. I remember back in 1980, that should be 88, when first trophy tail come up with a drop away rest, everybody was so thrilled. Because all of a sudden, everybody's supposed to be able to shoot accurately now. But then the fact is that if you are not good at holding a gun, you want the barrel to be as short as possible. 
so you are no longer affecting the trajectory of the bow with the barrel. But if you are really good at holding a barrel over the stand, you want the barrel to be as long as possible. That pretty much is the entire concept of my understanding of an arrow rest. Now the real question is that what arrow rest would work for you? The real question is that how good are you holding at the bow? That was the real, real question. And there's so many people seems to do not understand that. So that's reason when I introduced like the arrow rest, you would not believe how many people within one week come back to me and take it off. Explain the design of the arrow rest, A-E-R-O rest. Uh, my arrow to, rest? Yeah. My arrow rest is now you can actually hold an arrow to a position in plus, um, theoretically, in plus and minus 10 thousandths of an inch while shot. That itself is actually very bad. Why? For most vertical bow guys. Because of the way that they're executing the shot? Exactly. Because most people do not execute a shot like a true shooter. They usually, if you look at the older shooter, especially the guy with the uh, surprise release, they can't hold the bow straight. But those are what most people are using, which make a drop away rest the choice of most. Because, you know, you don't need an air rest that shoot up to, say, 600 yards. You need an air rest to shoot about 100 to 150 yards. But then most people are not shooting at 11 ring or 10 ring. They are shooting at an animal or at a big target. That's the reason I know when I design air rest, I over-engineered. But for the people who want that, that's where the differences. And then that's the reason there's so many designs. And that's the reason I say for anybody out there who don't know any better, who don't shoot very far, the drop away and the whisker biscuit is pretty much the best way to go. That's the reason when whisker biscuit comes out, it solves so many problems because the tolerance of the whisker biscuit is so, so wide and you can't see the difference of the tolerance. Sure. Sure. So well, let's focus on the, the drop away rest real quick. Um, Tyler, why don't mm-hmm. you give us the difference between, uh, so you, you have what, two major arrow uh, drop aways. You have a cable driven and a limb driven. Mm-hmm. What's the, what's the difference there, Tyler? Well, so, actually that was the one of, that's one of the biggest deal. The cable driven rest is all, that means the thing will drop faster. The reason we go limb drive driven system, because it will hold the arrow longer. Mm-hmm. The limb driven will always hold the longest based on the way you, you, you put it together. And that's the reason I remember when, uh, when the first whammy comes out, I remember my discussion with Tim Gillingham. We all agreed that was the best air rest out there made because it being a drop away, it hold the arrow the longest, but then a lot of people don't like it. The reason they don't like it because they can't hold their bow as steady as long before the air, before the air rest drop. So now imagine this, this is the easiest way for me to explain an arrow rest process. Imagine you got a power stroke of 20 inch. Your minus your brace height, you only get about say, the 20 inch power stroke with the six inch brace height, you only got 22 inch. That actually your arrow is supposed to, to, to guide the, the arrow. If your arrow rest dropped six inch before it, you only got 18, you only got 16 inch of actual guiding of the air rest. 
So the longer the error stays, the longer the guiding. The faster the error drops, the less the guiding. The less you're able to feel if your bow is not holding the arrow from the bow, the arrows to the arrow correctly. So the worse you are in your form, remember the form not of geometry, the form of holding the boat steadily. This is where a lot of people really do not know that. And, and how do you find out how long can you, how good are you holding your boat? As I said, the easiest way is a, a trick that I learned from Broadway and, and Jim Burnsworth. Go to eBay and buy yourself one of the cheapest uh, uh, laser fuel point. Screw that thing on, pull the bow back and point it at 30 yards and see how long that, that stays. You'll find out how good a bow your, your, your swarm is. Then you, then you then, of course, take that off and shoot it. You'll find out that most people, the moment when they are very close to the end of the bow, they drop their hand. Now, if you got a normal ARS, it's not too bad because you're dropping below. But if you're dropping at left and right at the same time, that's where the problem came in. But, but then there's another issue. If you're not good at holding and you got a long brace height, you remember the arrow left the knack, the arrow are still in some way controlled by the arrow rest. That's where when you have a drop of weight, it's gone. The arrow is not flying with no more touching. Is how long are you actually touching the radial rest and controlling the air rest? Now remember, the air is also flexing. So there's a lot of key in it. That's the reason there's no air rest that's solid, solid. And in most cases, you notice the like the uh, like the QAD and so on, they are really solid, solid. That's the reason they drop away faster. So what happened if your arrow got the back tail, got say the first and second harmonics, and then attack actually the arrow flex down? And the ARS is still there. And bounce off. That's the reason you traditionally every single ARS got springs on it. And that's where the tuning of the ARS and the arrow gets so critical and so hard. And most people really do not understand the process. And, and that's the reason a drop away seems to be a very easy way to for most people to able to shoot start up accurately. Because if you look at 30, 40 yards, it's really not a big deal. But just like it, if you want to shoot something at 34, say 100 yards with a say three foot, uh, with a 340, with a say four inch barrel magnum, compared to say a 12 inch barrel hunting rifle. Well, if you only want to think, say shoot 100 yards, you cut 10 inch off the hunting rifle, you're still pretty decent. But that's where pretty much the whole deal is. I mean, that's the closest I can able to explain. Maybe Tyler can add some thought to it. Yeah, <clears throat> I mean, you know, my take with some of that is, is, is it, you know, he's a hundred percent correct. And you really kind of got to figure out, you know, to get your rest tuned right from the beginning where you run into less issues. If you're not going to worry about what direction your arrow is flexing and you're not going to be one of those people that has, you know, the best form and so forth and all that stuff, a rest that gets out of the way faster is a hundred percent going to benefit you. Okay. If you are someone that pays attention to the direction that your Aeroflex is coming up there, because people have this misconception, they're like, you know, and I have people come to the shop all the time. They're like, well, I, I spinal line all my arrows. Well, how do you do that? Well, I put it on a dial indicator and I find the sift spot. I'm like, that's awesome. Well, you found the sift spot, but you didn't find where the, the arrow is actually bends or the direction it moves under load. So when the arrow becomes dynamic, it's going to bend in a specific place and you need to know where that is. 
And they're like, oh, well, you just got to find the, 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 the sift spot. And I'm like, well, what kind of arrow are you shooting? And then they tell me, and I'm like, well, that arrow, most all of them, all carbon arrows with the exception of well, maybe Dorges have a helical spine. So it's going to have multiple stiff spots in it, depending upon where you place the indicator in the arrow. So if you're not paying attention to all those things and you know where your arrow is going to begin with, um, then an arrow rest that gets out of the way, you know, say your arrow only travels four to six inches on it before the arrow's out of the way, that's good for you. Um, you're the same guy that'll benefit from a whisker biscuit or something like that. And that's fine. And you're going to be able to shoot relatively well for most practical deer hunting purposes. Let's say back East, not so much here out West where your shots are under 30 yards really doesn't make a damn what you do. Um, I, I, I say that not trying to be a turd, but just under 30 yards in those conditions, you can get away with a whole lot. Now, when you're trying to fly a broadhead 80 or 100 yards or beyond, where, you know, like I would say, back east, most whitetail are shot, let's say east of Texas, Texas and east, most whitetail are shot at 20 yards or less. Yep. Most, okay. Out here, our average shot on a mule deer or, or a coos deer or something is probably 60 or 70 yards. Mm-hmm. Getting closer to them than that is hard when you're out in the desert. Um, now it can be done. People shoot them at 20 yards and stuff, you know, but I'm just saying it's on average, they're longer shots. So, um, but really it comes down to, you know, like he said, how well are you at, at aiming your bow and what does your shot form look like once the arrow is fired? When, when that string is traveling back to brace and it is propelling your arrow, you know, you've, what is your ability to keep that bow in the same place until the arrow leaves, like completely mm-hmm. leaves the bow, not just the, not just the string, but actually once it's detached from the string, it still has some travel time there before it actually clears the bow. So what does it look like then? That, <clears throat> that was where things become more critical. That's where mistakes happen, right? That's where your bad form or torque or whatever is shown. That's where you see it. Mm-hmm. And the thing is, is, you know, for me, when you go from a cable driven, uh, drop away to a limb driven drop away personally if i'm going to shoot one i prefer the limb driven stuff not just because of the even down to the fact that it supports the arrow longer or i can i get to pick how long the the arrow is on the rest with one of those right based on how i tune it where with a cable driven one you can to a point tune that but it's a whole lot smaller window Mm-hmm. And then you almost have to set your bow timing up to that because if you if you have that cable driven rest at the full upright position for too long, that cable becomes pulling on your bow cable. Mm-hmm. And then it starts <laughs> changing the dynamic of your bow at full draw. So now you're going to have one cam that has a or that's got more tension because the cable is being tugged on, basically, right? Exactly. So there's a fine there's a fine line there between. How are you going to be able to make those work? Me, preferably, um, in my experience, a limb-driven rest is more reliable. And it's easier to work on in the field. If I'm out in the, in the middle of the mountains or in the desert or whatever, and something happens to my lift cord on, a, on my limb-driven rest, I don't have to have a bow press. 
I don't have to go shoot it through paper again. I don't have to do any of those things. I can just take a spare piece of cord out of my bag, put it in my rest, pull it back down to where it's supposed to be, cut it off, burn it, I'm done. And everything goes right back to the same place it was. Where if I have that happen on a cable-driven one, I now need a bow shop technically almost, right? Mm-hmm. I, need a, I need a press. I need to time it. I need to go shoot it back through. I mean, there's a lot of things that have to go on because just because your rest is in the same position, like that part never moved. You didn't change it left or right or up and down. If your timing is not exactly the same with the limb driven one, you still got to retune it because it's the not, because, because of the amount of support that the arrow has is now changed. So mm-hmm. if that timing is not identical, it's still going to change what it does through paper because it changes the amount of support that the arrow has. And if not all of your arrows are tuned the same, so like say not all of your arrows dynamically are the same, they may say the same thing on the label. You may have flushed them all in the same place on the label, but if you haven't dynamically figured out what your arrows are doing, um, then you may have one little bullet hole, but the rest of them won't. <laughs> or maybe you'll have seven that do and five that don't. And those five, three of them do the same thing. The other two do something different. So the thing is, is there's <clears throat> there's a whole lot that goes on with this that gets missed. And there's a whole lot of things, you know, boat people walk in and even to this day, I made a post about this not long ago. I can't tell you. And this is it's just because this is what people are used to. Like this area, this is what people are used to. They walk in, they hand me their bow. They say, hey, paper tune this. I'm like, how much time do you got? Did you bring your release? Is your bow dressed the way it's going to be whenever you go hunting? Are you, do you got a few minutes to sit here with me so we can do this? And he's they're like, well, what do you mean? I'm like, I need you shooting the bow. And I need your bow dressed as if it was you were shooting in an animal. So if you shoot with your quiver on your boat, it needs to be on there. If you put five arrows in it, put five arrows in it. Like all of those things matter. They just, it kind of blew their mind. I'm like, look, if I shoot this thing and it works for me, that does nothing for you. So the thing is, is, you know, facial pressure is different. Uh, hand pressure is different. You know, the release that I may shoot it with is different than the one that you're shooting it with. And all those things are like, well, does that matter? And until I take them back here and actually physically educate them and show them the difference, and they may shoot a, an arrow that has a perfect bullet hole. And I'm like, now watch this. Put your face in it a little bit more and shoot it this time. They shoot it and it just whacks the tear. I'm like, all right, now drop back and shoot it this time and put a little more thumb pressure than you do heel pressure. And they'll shoot it and it changes the tear again. It's like, so here's the deal. If you can't make a repeatable shot, we're wasting our time and wasting your money. Mm-hmm. So the thing is, is when you, when you get to that situation, um, arrow rest, arrow you know choices in general are far broader spectrum than what people want to i think a lot of times put the time into Mm -hmm. and the the people that they're getting this information from don't understand it themselves right they don't understand how critical it can be because they're shooting 20 or 30 yards and they're getting the result that they want when you're shooting them you know and, and we're talking about highly precise stuff right you know the guys that are maybe making a living with a bow ask them how critical they are about their stuff they tune every (laughs) single arrow right every one of their arrows their goal is to make them identical so it doesn't matter what arrow they pull out of the quiver every one of them has the same plan um you know even down to i can change what an arrow is doing just by where i change the contact point of the launcher on the arrow shaft if I want the arrow to act stiffer than what it really is, I can scoot the arrow rest back. If I want it to act weaker than what it is, I can scoot the arrow rest closer to the point of the 
arrow because it's changing what the arrow does dynamically based on the point of contact or the node of where the the rest contacts the arrow. I said so, you know, all that stuff, it really comes down to you kind of got to evaluate what is your purpose. Like I ask people that all the time, what are you going to do with this? They're like, well, hunt. I'm like, okay, that's a broad one. What are you hunting? What are you, you know, what are you doing with what is your effective range? Like how how good are you at 80 yards? And that tells me a lot, you know, because normally people are going to lie to you anyway. So like, oh, I can shoot them all in a Dixie cup at 80 yards. Okay. So that means I could probably hit a pie plate at 80 yards (laughs) consistently, right? Which is not bad. But what that tells me is, is, you know, that kind of gives me an idea what your attention to detail is and things of that nature. Then that can give me a direction for you, you know, a hundred percent of QAD or something like that would be awesome. And you'll have no issues with it. It'll do everything you ever want to do because you don't know what you don't know. If you're wanting to shoot a hundred yards and beyond, and you're wanting to do that with a fixed blade broadhead, well, now we're going to have a different conversation. One, <laughs> I'm going to look at you first, right? We're going to go back there and I'm going to watch you shoot some arrows. And I tell people all the time, I'm like, you may think this is dumb, but there are times, especially if I'm ever struggling or if I feel like I'm not making as good of shots or I, I'm noticing some funny arrow flight, I'll stand in front of a roll of paper and shoot 200 arrows through paper just to make sure that I'm making the same shot all the time. And it's not that I say that I believe paper tuning is the end all be all, but what I'm saying is, is it tells on me how consistent you are. If I know those arrows are all the same. And at one point when I set it up, they were all shooting crisp, perfect holes. If I stand in front of that thing and I can repeatedly make that happen, well, then that lets me know that at least I'm being consistent and maybe there's something else I need to look at. Right. So, I mean, that was probably a long winded version of, of answering something that was really simple, but what I'm getting at is, is like to George's point, you kind of need to evaluate yourself first. Hey, what, what am I doing with this and what kind of shooter am I? And be honest. If you want the best result to be successful, you got to be honest with yourself in archery. This is not mm-hmm. a, you can't go buy your success. You can build a custom rifle that can shoot a thousand or 1200 yards. I run into this all the time here. Long range stuff is the new deal out, out West, especially in Arizona. And I'll probably get strung up for this. We're going to have a town hall meeting. Everybody's going to get their pitchforks out here in a little while. <laughs> but what happens is, is, is there's tons of wounded stuff all over the place. I paid $10,000 for this rifle. I should be able to shoot at that 80 pound coos deer at a thousand yards. No. If you don't have the ability behind the thing, it doesn't matter what you have, how much money you spend on it or any of those things. I could take a a 15 year old and put him in a Ferrari. Do you think he's going to be able to drive the wheels off of it? No, he's got a million dollar car. He can do nothing with. There's guys got $10,000 rifles that can't shoot shit at a hundred yards. Okay. You've got to be honest with yourself. What am I going to do with this? What kind of shooter am I? And then we can build you a bow or a setup around that from your arrow, the whole thing. Right. And, and that's kind of where it starts. And, you know, for most people, you can take a QAD, a rip cord or something like that. Uh, even the original like trophy taker style spring loaded, you know, drop aways and do whatever you want to do with them. And can you be accurate with them at a hundred yards and stuff? Absolutely. Are there better options for someone that's real serious? hundred percent. A limb driven one is going to give you a really broader spectrum of tunability, you know, because and it's just an ease of use. They're either broken or they work. There's no mm-hmm. like in between 
a limb driven one, and it doesn't mess with my cable and string dynamic at all. It has nothing to do with my string. I hate putting stuff in my strings. Hate it. I don't like putting silencers in a string. I don't like, you know, tying stuff to them that's going to pull on them or add tension to one side or the other. I don't like doing any of that stuff. So for me, primarily, I would rather have somebody either use some kind of fixed position rest, you know, um, hell, even the TM Hunter style rest works great for some people. The simplicity is amazing. If you're shooting a conventional vein configuration, like a, you know, one or two degree offset and a standard three fletch configuration, dude, those rests are amazing. Just like the old school bow doodle rest or a TM Hunter or, or something like that. They shoot incredible. If you, if you can make a good repeatable shot, right? So <laughs> that's, well, that's kind of the thing. And, and everybody, you know, big helical and multiple veins, putting four or five, six veins on an arrow and all that stuff is kind of like, to me, it, it's a handicap. It's trying to fix something that people are unwilling to spend time to do. So it's a, it's kind of like going to Big Bertha golf clubs, right? Like the really refined guys are playing with blades and, and more compact stuff and they can really move the ball around and all that. Where then you got the guy that doesn't care and just wants to swing it as hard as he can. He gets the biggest driver possible and just lets it rip, right? That's like big helical and four fletches with giant veins. That's kind of what that does. It fixes things that, that you haven't really spent the time to, to see, you know what I mean? Like mm -hmm. if I got a guy that's, that's okay. You know, he, he makes a pretty repeatable shot, but he can't consistently shoot a good hole through paper. And he's wanting to fly a fixed blade broadhead. I'm going to put four big max stealth veins on there and just let him, let him have it. You know what I mean? Cause 20, but you know, 30 to 50 yards, it's going to do what he needs it to do. And he'll never know the difference, you know, and that's, that's not being rude. That's helping you be successful based on your ability. Right. So there's things we can do. You're just masking an issue. You know, because you get one set up really well, you don't need much vein to be able to fly one really good. If your bow's tuned good and you're making a really consistent shot, it doesn't take a lot of steering to make that arrow fly beautiful, right? But Go there's ahead, a lot Dorch. of things. That, there's a lot of things that got to do that. George, you had something there. Oh, I, I was just so, so saying I agree with what Tyler say so much. I think Tyler hit. I will summarize what Tyler say in one word: know your ability first. That was and more be than one honest word. Honest with you. Sorry. <laughs> Sorry. One yeah. fun phrase. Know your ability and be honest with yourself. I mean, it's so true. I mean, unfortunately, they think fishermen are liars. <laughs> Bow hunters bragging about ability is worse than fishermen. I would tell you that because I'm both. <laughs> hey, in the backyard, everybody shoots 30x Vegas games. Everybody. If you don't believe me, look on Facebook. <laughs> i think uh, i think another point to what you said about big helical and uh four fletch or five or six fletch veins it's also uh trendy it's what's it's what's happening right now and so and so yeah. is putting four fletch on them and <clears throat> you said it's like it's uh masking the problems and that's just mm -hmm. like what george always talks about with like making your arrow super slow it's mm -hmm. I don't think necessarily that the shooter knows that's what they're doing. I think they're just following a trend, but in result, they're masking flaws and they're like, Oh my God, this, no wonder this guy shoots this. Cause it shoots so good. 
Well, it's just because it's it's fixing. It's not fixing. It's hiding issues that you have that you don't know you have. Well, you you can fly a Pringles can if you put enough fletch on it and make it slow <laughs> enough. You mm-hmm. know what I'm saying? I mean, seriously. I mean, there's you know quarterbacks throw footballs seventy yards and they fly pretty good. You know That's what I'm fair. saying? But it's, but it's slow and heavy. So, you know, that that's the deal. I mean, if you're going to shoot, why would you take all the technology of the new high-efficient, high-performance, high-speed bows and dumb it down to the point of where you're losing all that? But then you have all these, you know, physicians, you know, physicists on, on Facebook or the Internet that are like, oh, the bow becomes more efficient the heavier the arrow gets. Well, that's all relative to how you look at it. I'll put it to you this way. These bows are designed to run wide open. Okay. That's where you're going to get the most. And then you got the people that are going to argue, um, well, there's a happy medium. Well, what if, you know, there's a point where the speed and the weight are optimal. Well, in my mind, it's best if you go one extreme or the other, either damn near IBO as fast as it'll go or, or super heavy sometimes. And I tend to sometimes fall in the middle, but you know, I tend to set my bow poundage based around the arrow weight that I'm going to use. So that way I'm shooting it about as hot as I can get it. You know, if I'm going to shoot a 400 plus grain arrow, I'm probably going to be shooting close to an 80 pound bow. Um, I don't have a long draw length. I don't have the benefit of being able to shoot telephone poles at 300 feet a second. Like some people do. Um, you know, I'm like 28 inches on a good day. If I stand up tall, that's what my draw length is. And, um, so for me, you know, most of my stuff, I, I stay in the 74 to 78, 80 pound range. And, you know, I shoot a 390 to 430 grain arrow right in there somewhere. Um, and that kind of gives me the most bang for my buck. And it gives me a lot of options, right. You know, especially with the things that are available today, you know, and if I set my arrow up properly, I can shoot one of those 140 yards, right? So, you know, with the bows now, bows are getting way faster and a lot better, you know. So, I've, I mean, I've got a 64-pound bow that I can shoot that fast with a 385-grain arrow. But, you know, people are like, well, no way you would elk hunt with that. I'm like, 100%. Mm-hmm. And with the right broadhead and a good tune, I'll shoot right through it. Never mm-hmm. slow down. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, but people are taking their – their information nowadays from people that have only killed a handful of animals with a boat. Well, what do you know? How much experience do you have? Right? Maybe you need to take this information from someone who shot hundreds of animals with a boat. That's where you need to start pulling your information. But like you said, there, it, it is trendy. There's a lot of stuff out there. Um, you know, you can get away with a lot, right? And perception is reality in archery. If you believe it is, then, then it is right. Um, but science proves something completely different. And the problem is, is there's not enough of that applied because there's not enough people with the education, um, not just saying like, like degrees or any of that. I'm just talking experience, experience and education to me is the same thing, right? If you spend enough time with something, you are getting an education on that stuff. Um, whether you're a degreed person or not makes no difference. If you, if, if that's what you do. Well, then you're educated on that subject, right? So take it from those people. Um, it doesn't have to be somebody like me or George that maybe has a, a, a higher science 
background, but it could take it from someone who, who's maybe killed a lot of stuff with a bow or, you know, all the arrow arguments on online now, like the one I've seen anymore is, is Joe Maxfield's really good about posting a bunch of stuff like that. And I'll go through and read them. And it's just, it's crazy the stuff that people come up with. And then you have the guys that are, oh, well, I'm an engineer. I'm a this, and I'm a that, blah, blah, blah. And they start talking about all this stuff. And I'm just like, man, you have so missed the boat. Arrows are not bullets. You cannot figure slugs the same way you would figure an arrow, right? Mm -hmm. And there's so many other things that go into the equation on arrow flight um, that are being missed. And the, mm -hmm. the thing is, is, you know, your arrow rest is a, is a big point of that too, because even your arrow rest plays into arrow harmonics, the dynamic of the arrow, whenever it leaves, you know, if you're, if you can set your arrow rest up to where your arrow has less um, like deflection, We lost them. You're, you're yep. creating more efficiency. You see what I'm saying? So the less oh. harmonic that arrow has, the better your arrow flight is going to be. The faster it's flying on its own, it isn't being manipulated or planing or still in uh, paradox, then the better it's going to be. And effectively, the flatter it will be. It's retaining more energy the less harmonic is in that thing or the less oscillation is in that arrow and people don't understand that you can 100 percent control that with your arrow rest mm -hmm. it's not it's not even it's just not even your you know just the arrow build itself but you can control that stuff with your arrow rest position of arrow rest the design of the arrow rest and then how the arrow rest you want i mean just like a very important thing a lot of people do not understand the spring of an arrow rest it's one of the best tuning tool and how many people actually understand it. Yep. I don't. Yeah, because if you look at it, 90% of drop away have no spring adjustment. You know why? They couldn't. They hold the arrow, then they drop the weight. But then when you have a spring adjustment, think about it. If your arrow is a little bit soft, like after you hold a bow, a binary cam bow, the arrow is actually skew towards the left, okay? Oh, sorry, to right. And you know that you can't do any more shimmy. So now, you, if you know what you're doing with a tiny turn on the right spring of your air arrest, you change everything. But how many people actually know what to do with it? What, what, how much pressure are you changing? Mm. That's so, so beyond most people's ability. That's the reason, you know, when, when, when my air rest was actually first moved into Tech 15, the PSC crossbow, and then moved to Raven. That, that air rest in Raven, I mean, literally, I'm selling hundreds and hundreds of those. And people are just beyond amazed how good it is. Because on a Raven crossbow, the form from the barrel to the air rest are always perfect. Perfect, yeah. So now you can really appreciate the precision of the air rest. Yeah. How many guys can hold their bow from release to the arrow knock, leaving the rest and not move? That's the real question. Sure. sure. I mean, you think about so many people when they shoot the bow, 
I thought that, are you doing a dancing? <laughs> what are you doing? <laughs> they shoot the bow, the bow dropped to the left, the right hand moved to the back, the head moved backwards. I mean, it's like, are you doing a performance art? <laughs> are you shooting? You, when you shoot, nothing should move until the arrow left your rest. Yes, left your rest. That was not known. Yeah, I think it's uh, I think it's something that you see a lot um, when you watch people shoot. I, I guess I'll try to explain what Dorge is talking about. When you have the surprise shot, when you pull back and you release, and your bow arm falls away to the left, and then your release arm also falls back, and you're like clenching your shoulders together, and you're almost doing like the chicken dance a little bit, and you're <laughs> like pulling away from it. And if you're doing that before the arrow is released from the rest you're gonna affect how the arrow is flying if you don't do that at the same time like tyler was saying repeatable if you don't do that the same way at the same exact time every single time it's going to change how your arrow re reacts off the bow yeah 100 <clears> percent. <throat> the thing is is i think you know the reason most people won't shoot the command style shot where they're just holding it in the middle and then you know set the release off on their own um goes down to anxiety and target panic issues right i mean it's it's probably no secret that the guys that can control that your jimmy lutz your uh robert householder kyle douglas um mike slosher though i mean we're talking like i just listed like some of the best archers on the planet when when they're on it's unbeatable it's the most accurate way to shoot a bow period if you are mentally strong enough to control that, right? Yeah. Where you don't have anxiety issues and, and all that stuff. So, you know, for the people that can't do that, you know, that surprise shot is their most accurate way to shoot probably. Um, and then, so we got to build their stuff differently, right? Where, mm -hmm. you know, a Kyle or a Jimmy or a um, Robert, Mikey, whoever, those guys, um, really because of their their shot execution and style they they can get away with honestly a lot more than most of us can sure um and and that's where you know one of those guys could benefit from a more stationary setup you know just because of how they execute a shot which um is stinking impressive man uh if if you have the ability to shoot that way it's incredible um you know or man another one i left out your key is like gillingham dude he's there's no, you know, and a lot of guys, you know, like Gillingham's always said, he's like, look, I don't hold a bow still enough for me to confidently be able to shoot um, like a hinge or, or a back tension, which, and I've heard him make that comment before. And I don't know, the guy holds a bow pretty stinking good. Uh, <laughs> Absolutely. But, but, uh, but for him, it is the most accurate way to shoot. And it's, and it's, it's arguably if you're, if you're on and you can shoot it that way, those guys will just shoot one hole in a target. It's incredible where, you know, the rest of us that may have an anxiety issue or target panic, so to speak, um, you know, that surprise style shot is what, what keeps you in the middle or close to the middle, um, the most consistent. So, you know, it, like I say, again, it comes down to you. It's so personal. That's the thing with archery is it's so um, individualized far as how we set your equipment up mm -hmm. sure. um, and, and being able to talk to people that come in the shop 
you know, people are probably wondering what I'm doing, but I try to get a background on everybody before I work on their bow. You know, what are you doing with this? I like to see them shoot an arrow or two, you know, a lot of things, even down to like knock fit when I'm building their bowstring. I'm like, what are you doing with it? Is it going to be a target bow, hunting bow? What are you doing with it? What arrow do you shoot? What knock do you shoot? Because then that, I mean, I might change, you know, some guy might be 105,000 finished center serving. Somebody might be 112 or 13,000 finished center serving, depending upon what knock they shoot or how much control I want it to have. You know what I mean? Um, mm -hmm. If it's somebody that I feel needs more forgiveness, I'm going to make their knock fit a slightly looser. Mm -hmm. you know, because the, the more, the tighter your knock is on your bowstring, the more control, control that string has on how your arrow leaves the bow, even down to mm -hmm. a rotational standpoint, you know, the tighter the serving is, the faster it rotates your, your arrow, all those things. So there's a lot of stuff that comes to that. Um, and really, you know, if, if we had more people that could shoot like Tim and those guys, the fixed, you know, old school arrow rest, even down to like a spring steel launcher is crazy accurate way to shoot a bow. I mean, like ridiculous. That's why a lot of the, the super target guys, like really target oriented guys still shoot a spring still. That's the I mean, only that's, thing they shoot. And that, and like, even down to like Jesse Broadwater hunts with one. He trusts it so much that that's what he takes to the woods and hunts with And People are like, man, you're crazy. He's like, not if I kill stuff with it. I mean, it doesn't make me crazy. It, it, you know, it, it, it makes it work for me. Right. People got to mm -hmm. get out of this. We're, we live in a youth or, or, or like a me too uh, world. You know, hey, what do you shoot? Oh, I got a Matthews with a QAD. The integrate. Oh wow, me too! And everybody jumps and does the big Toyota commercial high five. You know <laughs> what I mean? And and it's like not that there's anything wrong with that stuff. It's just don't shoot it because that's what your buddies shoot. And maybe do some research and figure out um, what works for you. And not like on Facebook blast of hey, thinking about getting this rest. What's everyone's thoughts? And then seven thousand people leave a comment, and they're all different. Yeah, man, you gotta go. It's it, there's no easy button for this, right? You got to go and actually do some work. It's going to take a little bit of effort. You really want to be good at this game. You want to be successful. You're going to have to put some time in. There's, mm -hmm. there's, there's, there's rare easy buttons in archery, right? Mm -hmm. You still got to work. Yeah. Even though the bows are more efficient, rests are better, materials are better, all that stuff is incredible. And in today's age, I can take someone from never shooting a bow to shooting pretty stinking good in like an hour. Mm-hmm. But beyond that, it's going to take work. You've got yeah. to stand behind your bow. And, you know, that's the part that people are still missing sometimes. You know, people still want to shoot it five times before season, and then they go out and shoot at seven deer and empty their quiver and have no idea whether they hit one. Well, it must be the broadhead. I must need a new string. Well, this sight sucks. Do you ever think that maybe you need to shoot your damn bow? <laughs> You know, like that's, that's the thing. So, um, you know, we can't start putting everything on equipment. We got to start looking at, you know, what am I going to do with this? Was this even set up right to begin with, you know, and, and then down to your ability. Sure. Yeah. Um, I, with all of that being said, and I'm going to start, I'm going to try to put some generalizations in, in here. So, we have Tyler, this is going to be directed towards you owning a, the, the pro shop and working on a lot of people's bows. We yep. have someone that comes into the shop. Their arrow setup is correct. Correctly spined. They found the first dynamic bend. 
their their shot is super repeatable okay this is the the whole scenario and they're shooting through paper and they're getting a left tear what do you do to the rest to correct a left tear a right tear a low tear a high tear let's go through that generalization everything the same um well to answer that question for me to be to begin with i would look at their bow first and not necessarily the rest so i would look at timing and cam position yeah i'm saying all that stuff's good we're only going to okay so if it's a left tear so they're right-handed right if they're they're right-handed um and it's a left tear i'm going to move the rest or move the arrow closer to the riser so i'm going to move so if it's a left tear i'm moving the rest right okay um that's going to help fix that left tear if it's a right tear i'm going to move the arrow rest left okay i'm going to move the arrow away from the riser so people nowadays everybody wants to get hung up on a well, Hoyt tells me that it's got to be 13 sixteenths from the edge of the uh, riser shelf to the center of the arrow. That's what my tune is. Well, not so much. There's nothing wrong with moving your arrow rest slightly to make this thing work, right? Um, so, you know, if it's a left tear, I'm moving it closer. If it's a right tear, I'm going to move the arrow away from the riser. Um, if it is a low tear, well, then obviously... It, it, this is the only part where tuning your arrow kind of works in common sense. You're going to lower the rest. Okay. So if you're, you're getting a low tear, then I need to bring the point of the arrow down. All right. If I'm getting a high tear, then I need to bring the point of the arrow up. Okay. So you can do that with either moving your knocking point or you can move your arrow rest. Okay. Um, you know, but initially if I can keep stuff down the middle and I can fix it with the bow, that's what I like to do. Um, you know, makes everything aesthetically look really nice um, and function well right Um, you know but you know nowadays there's some arrow there's some bows out there that to get it to tune you can't you know because everybody thinks that well if i set it at 90 degrees and perfectly down the middle this should shoot a bullet hole that's not how it works Mm -mm. um you know everybody's hand pressure facial pressure release all those things make a difference um and that's where moving the rest slightly one direction or the other or the cable rod or whatever is going to eliminate um, the issue that you're having through paper. So, um, you know, people can, God, it's, it's endless really. You can do it with point weight, you can do it with fletching, you can do it with, I mean, there's a lot of ways to remedy uh, um, arrow flight issues, uh, you know, and your rest is really kind of a small part of that. Mm-hmm. Uh, not small, but it's a key player, but it's just, it's, a, it's just one of the options that you have. You know what I'm saying? So yeah. don't use one of the options only. What Tyler really right. said. Yeah. Because yeah. if you think of your air rest is the only thing you say. I mean, just like, I remember the day when my bow is totally crooked on my uh, X80 Oneida. The cams yeah. are actually off. I use my sight to fix it. Yes, mm-hmm. my sight was diagonally pinned. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. It shoots. Okay. I've used my sight to fix my bow, but my sight was like three di- diagonal dots. <laughs> no, I'm not joking because I, I remember was, those days. Oh, I get it. Yeah. When I was Oneida with the top cam plate, when they put my Oneida bow, my upper cam was crooked. I do not know better. So <laughs> I ended up to have to buy it. So I said, wait a minute, the sights are all in line. It's no good. I need the pins to move left and right. I mean, <laughs> I do not know. That was not supposed to happen. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. 
No, I, I remember it. That's a, that's the thing is your, your rest, you can fix a lot, man. There's a lot, there's a lot you can do with your bow, but here's, here's something to think about. Mm-hmm. And this, this is kind of to my point about why in that situation, I would go to the bow first and and not the rest. And I, and this in some of our school and like our seminars or our bow school or whatever that, that we put on, um, I proved this just, just as an example, I can make a bow shoot a perfect bullet hole in certain instances where the arrow is pointed way off to the left, like not down the middle where you would think arrows jacked or way in towards the riser, right? Where you, to the point to where you don't have enough sight to catch your arrow, right? You don't have enough windage in your sight to be able to catch up to where your arrows impact. And in certain instances, you can fix it to where it shoots a bullet hole, but is it right? No. So that's where a lot of times I'll look at some other things first. If the rest is, is arrows running pretty level, not in any instance ever do I think having one run uphill, like your air, like if your bowstring is plumb and the air and the bow is perfectly level on both axes and you look up and you put a level on your, your arrow and it's running uphill, Mm-mm. like the point is above the knock, that's a no-go. Mm-hmm in no circumstance is that okay um if on the other hand the point is below the knocking point and that's where it shoots i can live with that that's okay there's a lot of bows nowadays where your arrow runs slightly downhill to get it to, to shoot right mm-hmm. okay um can you fix that and make it level on some bows yes and you do it with timing you end up having to put the bottom cam mm-hmm. contact on the cable before the top and so forth to make all that work um and that's fine it's whatever you need to do or whatever aesthetically you have to see to be satisfied with it. Um, but like I say, don't, you know, your rest is super critical, but don't just lean on that first because I can fix it with an arrow rest and it looked janky, but yeah. really bad. Right. So, you know, I can move the cable rod way one direction and point the rest in another direction and we can make it shoot, but it's, it's not going to look right. And mm-hmm. you're gonna have to make some custom contraption to get your side over far enough to be able to even shoot. <laughs> so, yeah, we don't want to go down that road. No, no. George, do you have any uh, concluding remarks on the the air arrest? I, I think today's air arrest is. I mean, I saw. Uh, I will not use the word despise. I will use the like. It's like this is what the the entire industry needs, and that's what they're making. I mean, just like everybody is trying to make the stuff so forgiving to the point you're not really getting the best out of it. Mm-hmm. I think, I mean, just like uh, I remember when I was helping a gentleman with the NASP, they got a few kids just really, really bad at shooting. I say, I'm going to give you three, uh, donate you three air arrest, and they're going to shoot really, really bad. The moment they shoot decent, then you put bang bang in the original rest with it you make them shoot it but don't make them to the point they give up shooting altogether because the error rest is so precise every single error is exaggerated to the point of ridiculous so in other words imagine this so if you if you are not good and form not good at holding yes a drop a fast drop away would be oh one point i forgot i nearly forgot that was a thought of the table-driven error rest, very critical. And I'm going to put my three th- my two cents in it. 
you want that cable to be as long as possible, not as short. So many people literally say, I went to school and they told me the shortest right there. Do you know what that means? You're increasing the angle of that drive cable to your down cable if it's short. short yeah. You want that to be as long as possible. So just in case, just in case, if you tuck on it, it's not going to kill your entire boat and then you're done hunting. Yeah. No, 100%. Uh, too many times I see people bring their bow in and they're getting contact issues with a cable driven drop away. And whoever initially set it up literally just pulled the cable straight back and attached it to the down cable, um, which a lot of times on bows would be like your bus cable or your binary cam, whichever one's traveling down. Um, that, uh, and it'll be super short and it'll be directly behind the rest. And they're wondering why it doesn't function correctly. I'm like, in order for this thing to work, that cable needs to travel vertically, not horizontally. Mm -hmm. Just because it lifts your arrow up when you draw it back does not mean it's going to work right. And the timing might even be okay. But when you fire it, it's going the wrong direction. So it doesn't create the slack needed for that arrow rest to be able to move arrow past right. its catch and actually fall away. So George is 100% on that one. Too many times, I mean, get it six, eight inches below the rest, if you can. Mm -hmm. And if you got more room than that, do that. Um, well, because it, mm -hmm. it creates the, the correct cable path for the rest to be able to function properly. I don't know whether you remember the first QAD comes out. It was really on a wrong angle. I have to wrap the string around the, the oh, pulley yeah. first to get it to give me the function I need. Yep. It was so ridiculous. And I was so afraid that the, the cable was going to pull out. But at that time, I got a gentleman who was really smart. But luckily, the bow went. I would remember I was shooting a Darton 3600. Yeah. Yeah. Guess what? The, my cable was, my, 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 uh, my air rest is tied to the slide. The cable slide. <laughs> yes. Yeah. I wrapped the, 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 the cord around the, pool, the entire pulley and then go to the cable slide. Yeah. You know what? It was so freaking good. Yeah. But you yeah. know what? I was so afraid. Every time I was afraid that the cable would fall off the roller. Finally, I said, you know what? Screw this. I would just improve my form. Yeah. <laughs> so the thing is, I think in, kind of in closing for me, Cameron, I think the thing is, is invention is, is happens because of necessity, right? The reason that we have the arrow rest and the stuff that we have nowadays is based on necessity. QAD, Ripcord, all those have their purpose. Hamski, the Pro Drop from like AAE, any of the limb-driven ones, those, they have their purpose. No different than a whisker biscuit, a spring steel, and Dorge's arrow rest. It, it, it's all out of necessity, right? And a lot of it just comes down to, you know, where do you fall in line with those options? What do you want to do with it? And what are you creating that you need? Do I need more forgiveness and I need less control necessarily? I know that sounds, it sounds like a negative, but it's not. There are people that need less control. I don't aim a bow as well as I used to anymore. So I use a shorter stable, like I'm talking tournament wise, not hunting. A short, you know, a lot of people use a 30 inch bar for stabilizer, right? I use like a 24 or a 20, but with more weight, I aim it better because when a big bar is out there and it moves off the dot it's harder for me to move it back 
So when it's in motion, it moves more. The shorter one, I have more control over. So my picture may be nervous, but it's nervous in the middle. Mm-hmm. You see what I'm saying? Yeah. Mm-hmm. So for me, that's where I need the forgiveness. Now my shot form and all that stuff works great. And even in slow motion, my bow really doesn't move at all from the time it's fired to the time the arrow leaves. But the thing is, is you got to know where you need it. Yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. So for me, it's not in the rest. It's in my stabilization. I shoot 140 yards with his QAD. Hell yes, he can. And it's amazing. But, you know, everybody, could he do it with a hand ski? Oh, yeah. Yeah. He could do it with spring. That's why, I mean, tournaments and stuff, he shoots a, a spring launcher 100%. For him, it's the most forgiving, most accurate way to do it. Sure. Mm-hmm. You know, so it, it, you've got to figure out, it's, it's all based on necessity. What do you need? And then that's where you got to go. But you got to, if you don't know, then you got to find somebody that can help you. You know what I mean? I find absolutely somebody agree. that can break it down for you. You know, go go have somebody watch you shoot your bow, and then or or have somebody video you shoot your bow, and then maybe you can be like, "Hey, I think this is what's going on. This would probably be better for me, right?" Sure. Um, and then, That's and exactly then gonna... what I would have suggested. I mean, I think Tyler say the best. But when when all fails, we all got smartphone now. Take a small video of yourself. Find someone to take a small video of yourself and look at what you're really doing, instead yeah. of just throwing equipment. And I mean, I remember I, when I when I was slightly into the 3D world. I mean, I saw a guy drop fifteen hundred bucks on releases and not able to shoot right, and he keep going. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, I'm serious. The guy bought seven freaking but uh, uh, Squatsky's release. You know, oh, the, the, the stands. Yeah. stands yes. And he said, oh, no, no, I need a different one. I need a different one. I need a different one. I say, no. I think you need to look at how you're shooting to start with. Mm-hmm. That's, yeah, what it all, that's what it all boils down to. That's yeah. what it mm-hmm. all boils down to. But It's hard to just buy success in archery. No, exactly. I think Tyler finished the best word. If you think you can buy success in archery, you need a different spot. Yeah. <laughs> Yep, mic drop there, fellas. as well. We're running uh we're running a little long here. I, I appreciate your your time, Tyler. Busy, busy schedule. Appreciate you yep. taking an hour out to chat with us. Um, yep. if anyone wants to find you, uh find your shop, if they are in Arizona and they want someone to look at their shop, where can they check you out? Um, so we're in Safford. They can find us. Uh our website is um W-O Toad, so woetoad.com, or you can find us on Instagram. It's it's Winterhawk underscore Pro Shop. Um, we're on Facebook, also Winterhawk Outfitters and Terry Built Original Archery Design. One's an engineering page. The other one is is our Pro Shop. Um, and uh, yeah, that's it, man. We There's a few avenues there. We haven't been very good about getting a lot of this stuff out there, but um, hopefully maybe we can, we can do that in the future if I get five minutes. <laughs> <laughs> George, same for you. If, if anyone has any questions for you or wants to check out the arrow rest, where can they check you out? Yep, firenock.com. We just updated the website. We just changed the DNS, so we are all good. Cool, yeah. cool. Well, thank you, and uh, we'll talk to you soon. Sounds good, guys.